Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Fox Nomad Podcast. I'm your host, Fox Nomad Anul Polat. I'm really excited for today's episode. I've got a guest here to talk all about traveling to India, specifically solo female travel in India. So Christina Boranat has joined me. She's going to be talking about what her experience has been like solo traveling in India for two years. Um, and it's a really good contrast to the previous episode I did a couple of episodes ago talking about solo female travel in Pakistan. So I wanted to give that kind of comparison because I, I've compared both countries and these are the kind of questions that I have been getting a lot. And uh, hopefully it's useful and informational and entertaining for you. So hopefully you get a lot out of it. And I think you will because it's a really fascinating conversation. Just two quick notes about the interview. The internet did cut off a couple of times. So you're gonna, you might hear some fading in and out. I've tried to cut those up, but if you hear kind of us speaking and then it kind of cuts off, you'll you'll realize where those cuts are because we we talk about the internet cutting off. But just so you know, that's what those kind of breaks are. And then on top of that, I wanted to mention that there is also a video version of the podcast of this episode up on YouTube, YouTube Fox Nomad, and you should find some of the clips so you can see us talking and you can see Christina's location out in the woods. That's also up on YouTube now. It's always fun. You know, I've been to India almost 20 times. It's always fun to go back there, even though we've, we're just going back there in conversation. It really brought up a lot of just what makes India such a great place to travel and why it's such a unique place to travel. So I hope you enjoy the interview. But before we get to that, I just want to quickly, quickly mention that I, I put up a... So, you know, I, I don't know if you know. You probably don't know, actually. So I have this idea list, I maintain this idea list that I, I keep with a whole bunch of different ideas and there are hundreds of things on the idea list and it goes into podcast ideas, video ideas and blog post ideas and photograph ideas. So I have these categories where I just keep an idea list. So if something pops in my mind, I'll just quickly write that down and then I have this huge idea list um, that I can jump into when I want to write about something and see what catches my attention on a particular day. And maybe I go, okay, maybe this is a good video to shoot now and so on. So one of those little ideas, you know, I have some of these kind of minor ideas and some, sometimes they really resonate with people. And this one that I have up on the site, foxnomad.com slash blog is about setting your alarm clocks using odd numbers. And that's odd literally and figuratively. So this is an alarm trick that you can use when you have to get up early for an early morning flight or whether you just have to get up early for anything. If you find yourself having trouble getting up early in the morning for whatever it happens to be, so whether it's that 4 a.m. flight or you've got a, you're struggling to get to work or something like that, this trick, why it works, what the trick is, and all that is up in an article up on my site, foxnomad.com blog. A lot of people have messaged me about it and shared it, and it's really just sort of resonated with many of you. So check out that article after this interview about traveling in India and solo female travel in India with my guest, Christina Poronat. Hi, Christina. Uh, Hi. Thank you for doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to do it. So for people who are just listening, you're in the woods somewhere. Uh, I am in the woods, hidden away, tucked away somewhere in Northern California. Yeah, it looks nice. I look like I'm in a dungeon because it's like this <laughs> uh, 
Harsh lighting. Lovely blue color. That's refreshing. Thank you. Yeah, every every room in this apartment has a different color, so it's interesting for videos. That's that's why I like it. Um, so I wanted to have you on because I recently compared India and Pakistan after going to both countries literally like right after one another. Yeah. And probably not surprising that people were super pissed off when I compared both countries. I think people got. <laughs> yeah. I, it was totally shocking for me as well. Uh, yeah. Um, and so a lot of people were asking, a lot of women were asking me, if you were a woman, what would it have been like in both countries? I've been to India close to 20 times. Pakistan was my first time. And I can only give so much of an idea, right? So you've been to India how many times have you been there? I've, I don't tend to count too much my travels, but I spent about two years there. Two years. Yeah. And so you've traveled there solo. I mean, you, you know the country pretty well, I guess. Yeah. Almost, I've spent most of those two years traveling alone through India. I mean, traveling alone, but of course, when you travel alone, you tend to meet so many people. So you have to kind of choose when you're alone because that's just the way of the travel. <laughs> but yes, most of the time I've been on my own. And I guess I'll start from... Why, why India, first of all? Oh, but that's a love story. <laughs> if you want to share, yeah, I, you know. It started with the, it's actually, I, I was brought there by a song. I was actually brought there by just a very short refrain. Uh, I was a really, I was about 10 years old when I first heard the Beatles song, uh, Within or Without You. And I was, I have a very distinct memory of just lying on my bedroom floor. And I was listening to this album, Sgt. Pepper, Lonely Hearts Club. <laughs> and I, when this song came on, it was just like a few, like the sound came. And, it, and I remember I just was like mystified by the sound and I would listen to the words. I didn't really understand the words. I couldn't, I, I was, you know, 10. So I was <laughs> like, what is this? And I just remember feeling it was magic. And then as the years went on, I learned it was the sitar. And then the sitar came from India. So it was just simply. Uh, you're back. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I don't know where. Uh, you had it about when you were 10, you heard the song and... Yes, basically from a very young age, I made the association with the sound being really magical and learning that it was an instrument, the sitar from India. And so it was, I have to go to this place because if it makes this music and this sound can come from here, this is magic. And so I had to go. I had to go. I have followed the song. <laughs> and what did you know about India before? I mean, had you traveled anywhere close or did you know people had been? I didn't know. I, I went basically knowing nothing really. It was, you know, I just knew I needed to go there. Before getting to India, I decided to go to Nepal first. 
because I did read a little bit about India and I thought, I think this will be intense. And it was going to be my first solo travel. So I said, let me take it slow. So I started with Nepal. And then from Nepal, I thought it would prepare me for India. Did it, did it prepare and you at all? I mean, it's... Uh, yeah, we were both shaking our heads kind of like... Prepares you for India. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, India's for me, like the two countries that were the most intense when I first got there first time was India and Egypt. Mm-hmm. And in the first two or three days, like I really hated both places. Like it was just overwhelming. And I was like, I, I you know, and then they ended up being two of the countries that I end up loving the most. I love both countries. I had a great time, but they're intense. Um, and India is really intense. Did you, you went to, did you start in New Delhi? Did you just fly from Nepal or? I flew from Nepal and back in those days, <laughs> when I first started, I didn't even look at flights or anything. So I think from Nepal to India, it took me like two days, it was ridiculous. <laughs> so my first impression was making, spending really long hours in airports and dealing with like the military men with these huge guns being like, you can't come inside. <laughs> it was a really strange way to enter the country. Yeah. But eventually I flew into Delhi and I actually started out in Goa because I also thought, okay, I want to kind of dip my toe in the water before I go full in. So I thought, I'll start in the south. I've heard it's more relaxed. And then I'll make my way up north. And I do think that was a good idea because it did it did uh, kind of soften the blow. Yeah, south is definitely more relaxed. And Goa especially is, yeah. Yes, with so many, there's so many foreigners and things. So it's a good place to go and talk to people and then because I went with no plan, no idea, I just knew I wanted to be there. So it was a place that I can kind of feel secure and see a lot of other foreigners and then talk with them and get advice of where to go. Have you done a trip like that before where you were just open-ended, you just flew to a country and were like, ah, I'll figure it out or was like India the first? It was my first. <laughs> was my first yeah so you get to goa and are you terrified are you excited how are you feeling when you you know in that first day out a mixture of both of excitement of like wow i i actually made it i did it and then also terror and feeling really intimidated because the uh, the looks from the locals were so intense and I didn't understand at first I was just like but it was really it was it just felt very very intense and I didn't know how to respond to that because I was really like full alert you know like because I had traveled before solo I know sometimes being a woman out there it's always tricky in your hometown it can be tricky so yeah yeah so Ah, sorry. Yeah, I think there's a delay, everybody. I'm not rude. I'm rude, but you know, there's a delay as well. So. Um, with the staring, you know, in India, there's more staring, period. Like more, I think, than 
at least in Turkey and the West and California in the woods, you know, uh, but for like, for a guy, for me, it's more just like, okay, they're just looking at me because I'm foreign or whatever. But as a woman, does it come across different? I mean, how does it feel, I guess, that when you're in India and everybody's, you know, staring at you? In the beginning, it was sometimes very overwhelming for me because it doesn't, at first it didn't feel even safe because it was so intense, the stairs, and, and also it was a bit, it felt aggressive also and how men would just kind of rush to me. And I wasn't exactly sure how to carry myself at the time. I was feeling insecure for many things. And I was feeling very protective of myself because of past experiences in other places. And so I felt I had to be on this really ultra high alert just because of the response that I was getting. And I didn't know Later on, I kind of began to understand what things meant and why they would look this way, and I could interpret more. But in the beginning, it was very, sh it was very shocking at first, and it was very hard to deal with because I, I, I wasn't ready for that exactly. And is it just staring? I, I mean, how? I guess in the beginning, it's you know the staring. But what, what, how would, how did you interpret it, and what have you learned about it? as a woman you know what would you say hmm I would say a lot of the staring comes from first of all a lot of the time it's very innocent it's just pure curiosity there could be times where people have never seen a foreigner and they're seeing but they've seen a million movies foreign movies and they've seen a bunch of western women and so it's a lot of the time it's just pure curiosity and then also the culture it's much it's very close-knit people don't take so much offense if you stare or you talk suddenly to a stranger um, so I I think it's a lot of that and it's also at first I being in the woods there's, <laughs> there's, there's everywhere. <laughs> But yeah, I think what my thing also is that Western women, it really matters how you dress. That's been my personal experience traveling alone. And because I travel alone, I know how other women who they travel in groups or they're with friends, if you're showing a lot of skin, they're associate, they kind of make an association with what they've seen in movies or even pornography, like to be honest, um, they've seen and what they see is Western women. So I feel like if you're, you're already battling against that, the, the preconceived notion that Western women are more loose and always kind of ready to, you know, undress and do whatever, <laughs> that's the impression that they have. And so even if you're dressed very covered up, you know, you still are going to get a lot of attention. And I think it's just finding the balance of like knowing what you're comfortable with and how to dress and understand that the stairs are not necessarily an aggression or an attack. 
they're just sometimes it's curiosity and you know yeah I, I, how far they can go <laughs> i remember the first time i got on an indian train and some guy just literally sat on basically on my lap like he just sat on my lap and i was like at first i was like whatever and then you get used to it and you're like there's more than a billion people in this country people like literally have to sit on each i mean it's just yeah you know that's how it is so for the dress mm. How do you dress in India? Well, what is the advice for a woman? You know, personally, I dress very conservatively, and that doesn't mean I dress ugly. You know, I can still have my style, but I do tend if I'm wearing if it's very hot, you know, I'll wear um, a tank top or something, but then I'll wear like a, a thin scarf over. And then I'll wear like loose pants. I don't tend to wear like too tight, um, especially when I'm traveling on trains or buses or I'm making transfers and things. I make sure to dress like with roomy clothes and I'm, I'm pretty covered up. I think that it's because I'm already going to get stared at, but I also, it's a way of saying like, I'm, I'm not, like this <laughs> respect me <laughs> and but also it really depends where you are because if you're in goa in adambol or you're in pushkard in rajasthan and everyone everyone is so used to seeing foreign women in bikinis or like tiny itty bitty clothes you know then you can you can go to a place and kind of see how everybody is reacting like to the women and then you can judge how to dress but i tend to say be more conservative if not for yourself then for the woman behind you because a lot of girls they dress very provocatively but maybe they'll be walking with some friends and then the girl behind her is not with anyone so she's the one that's gonna have to get all the attention that the other one didn't get you know what i mean mm -hmm. because she was kind of protected by just one other person it's like a shield but if you're on your own you're gonna have to eat all that lust that's been building <laughs> up <laughs> so what happens if you dress wrong right like what what I mean, you know, as a man, like, I'm so oblivious to that. Like, I, you just don't have that problem of basically people staring, that's it, you know. But is it, you know, like, people catcalling or, like, oh, yeah. that kind of... They'll catcall time, any day. <laughs> yeah, they'll do it anyway. And, but, again, I think it really depends on, like, if you're willing to kind of stand up for yourself and be like, hey, piss off, you know. I'm going to dress like this and, and just kind of, you know, be, you have to have a really strong stance and, and walk with a lot of confidence and just, you know, no, like I'm not, not defensively. I don't think that's one thing I learned is you don't need to be defensive or aggressive. You just walk with confidence and like, no, you know, you have yourself and you're strong in yourself. And it's okay, but it's just more complicated. And for me, that's my biggest thing is maybe you're okay with how you're dressing, but maybe the woman next to you 
doesn't want to have to confront that, you know, maybe she's not feeling as strong, but she's going to have to defend herself because the other woman is dressing however she wants. That's been my personal experience. That's maybe someone would say something different. But I've had to eat a lot from other, <laughs> from other girls dressing and I'm like, come on, I'm alone. Like I have to deal with this on my own. I, when I was, when we were talking about Pakistan um, with the previous guests, I was thinking the general advice is like cover to your, into your core. You, you know what I mean? So like forearm, like it's just to break it down stupid wise, but like forearm, okay. Then your arm, then shoulder. Like the closer you get into the kind of your core area, the less likely, the more trouble you'll have or the less acceptable it's probably going to be locally. Right. Like, Definitely. so i think is that that's pretty much the same in india i'm guessing same in india if i would say in india though because they do in the sari they do show some midriff so it's not too far out if you must show a little bit it would be more midriff because that's not as uh, scandalous as showing you know a lot of cleavage or even shoulders yeah, shoulders seems really popular. I don't, I don't, you know, <laughs> that's just like a worldwide thing. It's like the always the advice for women is don't show your shoulders. Yeah. And I find that kind of odd. I mean, you know, makes sense, but at the same time, it's also shoulder. Okay. Yeah. Um, right. So it's provocative to, to show it's a little, I don't know. <laughs> and like the thing about it is like, I think people have this idea when they see a woman in a sari, they see an Indian woman and they think, oh, well, maybe I can show more or it's okay if I, you know, wear a skirt to wherever or whatever. And, and then they realize like, oh no, I'm getting a lot of separate attention. I think it's very separate from a sari, right? Like the, the look and how people perceive you in that way. Yeah. I think... I think so. It's and also even Western women sometimes dressing in a sari, you're gonna have different reaction to a local person, of course, because you're standing out already and now you're standing up in their dress. So it's like, you know, fireworks saying, Hey, look at me. <laughs> so I, I guess, you know, for, for when you're walking down the street, you f you're, you're pretty new there, let's say, at the beginning. Mm -hmm. You're getting guys staring at you, but you're getting used to the staring, right? Like you're starting to understand basically what is a normal stare, I guess, and then what's maybe where you have to say something or, mm -hmm. right? But, there's the, you know, what's like the cat calling? Like, I know it sounds like a dumb question, but like, do you ever feel in danger or do you just ignore it? In the beginning, I felt in danger much more than, you know, after spending a lot of time there. I also tend to go to very small towns. I don't spend too, too much time in the tourist places i used to when i first got there and i recommend it it's really good to connect with other foreigners and have a chat and kind of find where you want to go i think it's a good idea but um yeah in the beginning i think because you don't 
you know, you'll just be walking by and you, you hear all kinds of things. And a lot of times in the beginning, I would be very serious because I was like, I, you know, leave me alone. <laughs> like, don't, I don't want to be harassed all the time. So I'd be very serious. And they, you know, they cut that like this all the time. Why don't you smile, beautiful? Come and come into my shop. I'll make you happy. You know, <laughs> like all kinds of things. And I, my biggest recommendation to anyone, especially when they're starting out, is you don't have to be too serious and you don't have to walk like, you know, bum, 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 stomp around. I think just... Um, it was an Indian friend who taught me this. He's like, your power and your everyone is going to treat you how you look in with your eyes. And they used to tell my friends. Eventually, they told me, you have so many problems because you always give everyone your eyes. You always look at everyone, and you share and you give, and they're giving you stuff you don't want. And they're like, take care of where you look and who you give your eyes to. And so it sounds a little bit funny, and I think it's something you have to kind of play with. But I, I think just by keep walking and walking, just I, I'm mindful of like, I, I know these people are staring at me and I'm just not interested. So I won't even, you know, I'll glance and my face is, you know, I'm happy, but I don't need to give them. If I don't feel comfortable you know, sharing a moment with this person, I simply won't give it to them. And and they really back off. I have, ever since I started being mindful of, you know, not just throwing myself like, hello, hello, hello. <laughs> and then it's it's become really nice because people are like, okay, you know, she's just not going to mess, she can't be messed with. And why do people want to, I mean, like, it sounds like a dumb question, but why do they want to talk to you? Is it just... Like, okay, let's say somebody's staring or catcalling and you go and give them attention. You say, hey, whatever. What happens mm. then? Like, are, is are they trying to sell you stuff or is it just they don't know what to do at that point or is that dangerous and you shouldn't do that? I mean. Dangerous. It's, I feel like it's very rarely dangerous, honestly. It depends where you are. You know what? It's very rarely dangerous during the day. In the night, then it becomes dangerous. And that's, that's the biggest thing. During the day, as long as there's daylight and you're out and you're going around, it's very, very, it's a special case, I would say, for it to be an actual danger. Most of the time, it's silliness, you know, and, and maybe someone taking advantage of the one and only time they're ever going to say something to a foreigner, you know. So most of the time, it's, I think it's just playful or they're trying to sell you something or like any other man in any other place in the world, they're trying to see what's up. <laughs> hey, hey. And, uh, yeah, yeah the, the, the technical term of, yeah, say what's up. Um, <laughs> so I guess my, my you know, now I, I found, because for the similar thing that I noticed like in Egypt, which is kind of what I compared to is when a lot of people come up to you, like, you know, I have this straight face. I would keep straight face. I mean, that's just how I am. I don't, I'm not very smiley, like on the street and people would get really aggressive. And what I realized is the code there is everybody smiles. It's a very smiley 
culture. Mm. So if you just smile and say no back there, that they were fine with that. There was no like increase of this, yeah. this yeah. aggression. Um, but you know, you mentioned like night walking around at night. I mean, is it? it I mean, I, I've been there. You know, like I know it depends where you are, really, too, right? Like, but is there any special advice for India if you're walking at, for just for a woman who's going? Okay, now at night, can I not go out? They're thinking, or I would say what I tend to do on a if I'm in a new place that I've never been at. Uh, I will go out in the evening to have a dinner or something. And then I, I don't go too far from wherever my guest house is. And I just kind because I, I want to know what's going on in my zone more than anything. And I'll just kind of hang around and see, like after the sun sets and it starts getting dark. When I stop seeing local women, like when I no longer see Indian women on the streets and it's only men, because that does tend to be the case in my experiences anyway, that at a certain hour, there's no longer women and there's just, so when I see, okay, I'm here around nine o'clock, I'm no longer seeing local women, I'm gonna start thinking about going inside. Especially if I'm on my own, I, I, I feel it's been best for me when I'm when I go in when the rest of the women go in it sounds a little bit ludicrous but I mean I've been I've had some negative experiences walking at night so I always recommend women who are on their own either find someone to walk with you if you don't have anyone that's safe to walk you home or you don't have someone to share a ride with I would start thinking about going in earlier than later and did you find like the hostels and hotels or the places that you stayed they would give you advice you know were they good you know most because what in most of the places it's men working the staff is men and so a lot of times too men might not know you know an indian man may be like yeah yeah walk around fine but did they give you good (laughs) advice or any advice what they give (laughs) no they say yeah you're okay you're fine go 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 okay so don't listen to them (laughs) don't don't listen to them don't even listen to the police you know that's another thing i would recommend like don't necessarily count on the police being the one that's going to help you out or save you this is a general rule of thumb for me because i've had um experiences where I first got there and some, someone had just tried to scam me. So there was a police there and I tried talking to this policeman and then he's trying to scam me. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> I can't necessarily, and I've had other cases where men in uniform, I'll reach out to them for a hand and something, I need help. And it's, it's actually not helpful. <laughs> yeah, I had a question for you. I'm going to bring it up now because you mentioned scams. So two times, uh, Derek and I, we made videos where we intentionally got scammed in India, in Varanasi and Delhi. Yeah. And so we made these videos and it, Indian people, I love you guys. We're make, I made those videos because you can do that in India, I guess, as a man. Like it, it's not going to be a dangerous situation and whatever. We thought we'd have fun. And it was during the day, and we know what the scams are. Usually, like, 
tourist shop and uh, hand massage on the street and those kind of things, right? Um, would you, th like if we were two women doing that, do you think that would be a s stupider idea? I mean, it was pretty dumb for us to do it, um, especially in Delhi because people, we did have one guy <clears throat> where I had to cut out a lot of the footage because I really thought he was going to hit me. Like it, it was pretty intense. He was kind of upset that we were recording him and wasting his scamming time, honestly. Yeah. Do you think if, if we were two women to make that same video, broad daylight experience in India, hmm. would, would, do you, I mean, do you think that would have gone a lot worse? No, no, I don't think so. I think especially if you do, if you have experience there and you're feeling pretty comfortable, I think it's okay, especially in broad daylight. And as, as soon as you're two, even two women, I think there's definitely a power in numbers and there's definitely a, and also I think as a woman, if when you kind of feel comfortable, you can play with the fact that you're a woman because you do, you are going to be treated differently. So you understand that and you kind of play around with them because they're not going to try to hit a foreign woman in broad daylight. I can assure you that. <laughs> he thought about it with me. Foreign yeah. men, though, yeah, they, they, I came very close. Foreign men, they get a punch, but a woman, ooh. <laughs> and when we, we were talking about Pakistan, <laughs> you know, the guest, she mentioned that, well, as a woman, you also have access to all the women that like I, as a foreign man, would maybe not be able to talk to or they wouldn't feel comfortable or it might just be odd for me to go talk to a, a woman with her husband there. You know, a lot in the culture, it just might be weird. Uh, do, do, do you find that in India as well, that you can, you have access now to 50% of the population that maybe a man doesn't to talk? And Definitely. Yeah, definitely. As a foreign woman, you're able to speak to both men and women because you can speak freely to men and also to women and they'll, yeah, they'll be much more open. I've been in villages where the women will take me to their homes and inside. So on the outside, you know, it's kind of covered up, but then they'll take me and they'll bring me in their homes and they'll take off their veils and they'll show me their face. And we can share a lot more when we have like a sisterhood. And it's, that's definitely possible there. And it's beautiful because you, you can connect much more. But I have had the experience that the women tend to speak uh, less English I think more the men, I, I'm, I'm not going to say why, but the men tend to speak more English. And, and then, so the women, we can connect, but usually it's more out of gestures and a little bit of Hindi that I've picked up along the way. <laughs> yeah. But it's... So you're in India now. I'm guessing it was after you were 10 years old and you listened yeah. to the Beatles and you get there. At first, people are not playing sitar on the street. Are you disappointed? I mean, just by what you see and what you come across, did it disappoint you at first? And did that change later? I, 
No, I think it was, I was too distracted by everything. Because for me, India is really a place of extremes. You know, in one, in one moment, I've said to people in India, you can spin around and in just one twirl, you can see the most beautiful thing you've ever seen, the, an extreme act of kindness, you know, something that just explodes your heart with love and compassion. And then in the same twirl, you see something that's absolutely horrendous, something that makes you like your same singing happy soul scream with like, you know, just how can this be, you know? So it's really, I don't think I, I've ever been disappointed. I've definitely had extreme highs and lows, but never a disappointment, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I, India does that to people, I find. I find that when I'm there, sometimes I'm super frustrated, but then there are all these moments in between where I'm like, this is the most amazing place ever, you know? And it, I think it has that effect after you leave. I really do think, like, even if you really don't like your time there, it, it changes you in a way because it's so different. And you see people, like for me, like I see people just making it, you know, like starting companies or like starting shops or whatever they're making. It's just using, with having so little a lot, a lot of times and, and just being so good at using what they have. I find that really a characteristic of India, of Indian people in general, not to generalize, but I think, you know, that's what I notice. And so it's kind of like, yeah, you see just the most amazing things in a lot of chaos. Exactly. And I, I also feel that chaos and the extremes is really what ultimately gives it, like when you finally find your feet on the wave and you can kind of surf it, it's actually for me much more balanced sounds a bit strange because it's like shh but if you can go in the stream and and kind of be with everyone else and kind of unite yourself i feel because of the chaos and because sometimes there's a a lack of things to put it in a way and they're creating things all the time so it's a it's the constant creation and then so I actually, when I'm there for long periods of time, I feel like I'm, I'm in a much more stable place than when I'm in the U.S., for example. I think, it, I think surfing is a really good like, analogy. I remember when I was there one of the couple of times, there was a guy who hated it. Like He hated it, hated it. I'll never forget. I don't remember where I was watching him from. But he was walking down the street, completely the opposite direction of everybody and just bumping into them. I mean, not on purpose, just there's just like a huge number of people walking. And he's like, I have to go mm -hmm. to that store or whatever. And I'm, uh, you just go in normal, in most places, you just go and walk the most direct route. But he was just fighting it and fighting it and fighting it. And I think people who end up not liking India fight it. You know, they go against that. It has a flow. You know, there, there is a flow there and you just have to tap into it. And it takes some time 
to learn what it is. Otherwise, if you fight it, you're going to hate it, you know? Absolutely. That's absolutely, absolutely. You said it beautifully. I feel that that's, that's really it. And I've seen that also, like so many people resisting, resisting, resisting. And and it's so lovely to experience it yourself and then and later see that when people, uh, there are the people that kind of just, they just say, okay. And there's like this kind of moment of release. And then it's like, Wow. Yeah. This yeah. is amazing. <laughs> You're going to see crazy things. Crazy things are going to happen to you. That's yes. just normal. You... Yes. Yes. And, so, and I think it's really a lovely thing to allow yourself to open up to because when you leave India, you can take that with you. It doesn't disappear. You told me it was a life-changing life experience for you. How, how, how did it change you? I think a lot of it is actually with men and my because you know I've single woman going out into the world on her own and basically you know I've had a lot of hardships in in this uh, it hasn't always been easy for me and I think it's made me really recognize my own power and find my confidence but not in an aggressive way, not in a, there's no violence. It's really just like, really forced me to go inside and find what was bothering me. And I keep having reactions from people, but what am I doing? Instead of just pointing the finger and saying, it's the Indians treating me like this, or it's men treating me like this. It's like, wait a second, like what, what, am, what am I projecting? And then going on that quest, and what a, it's a very appropriate place to take uh, spiritual quests, among other things. But I think it really helped me ask myself difficult questions to climb out of difficult places. And then, you know, really carry that, not just when I'm in India, but for everywhere else, because it's a, it's a transformation from inside. So, and those lessons are being confident. Is it, is it really com coming across as mm. really, I, I saw, this is a silly example, but uh, I was listening to Cesar Milan today, <laughs> hog story. <laughs> but he had this thing where he was telling somebody like how to train it, the, their dog, right? And he was saying, you know, as the owner, he, the, the, the woman was not confident. But he said, or he said to her, pretend, think of an actress or a movie that you've seen where you see somebody really confident. Mm. And, and he was like, just pretend to be that character when you're with walking your dog. I know it sounds dumb, but I think this technique works for like, when you're like, you know, like public speaking, like I've used that before. It sounds silly, but I just go, all right, just let me just think of some speech I've seen with, and try to channel that at least. So sometimes, you know, acting confident, really like trying to believe you're confident works as confidence, I find. Is it the same as well? Make it till you make it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I think for sure. I'm in the beginning of this really long journey I've taken. And 
I think really in the beginning it's yeah faking it and just kind of acting like okay I'm this person and then I think getting feedback and then I think that feedback and eventually you know you you kind of plant that seed inside and it starts to grow but I think the confidence really comes also from a, a loving place from yourself because I at, so, at a certain point I just looked around me and I was like, no, like I, I can't accept that I'll be treated this way. And because I deserve more than this. And it's kind of saying like giving myself that worth because I think a lot of the reactions I was getting was maybe in an unconscious way, I feel like, well, this is the way it is and maybe I deserve it because who knows why, you know, women, we have a long history of, of many things. We won't get into that right now. <laughs> but I think it's just saying like no I'm not <laughs> I'm not gonna allow this to to be my reality what can I do and then it's really saying oh well I can start from a place of love for myself you know I think India is I would say if you're a novice uh, traveler so if you, don't, you haven't traveled a lot mm. that's like advanced level travel to me you know, yeah. if you're from the West, I'm going to assume like if you're from Sri Lanka, it's probably not. But it, it's like putting the travel video game on high level and you're thrown in. So I don't, you know, I would say if somebody's looking for a place to travel, it's probably not the best first place to go because it can really be intense. So it, it helps to have some experience. But as a woman and you're going there for the very first time solo, what advice would you have for a woman in the same situation that's just like, I'm going to go to India by myself. I've never been there. And hopefully I, I hear some sitar on the streets or something. Yeah. I, if I were, I would recommend that if you're not so, if you haven't traveled very much on your own, and you're not accustomed to these serious culture shocks because I had already been living in Korea and I'd been to Japan. I, I went to Nepal on my own. So I had some kind of background, but otherwise I would definitely go um, if, if your heart and your soul is like you need to go to India first before you do all these other travels you know go with a tour guide or find a group or something like this and just allow yourself I tell this I give this recommendation to people I say at least for the first two weeks or first month or something go with someone find a group find a leader find something and then and then you'll know if you're ready to go on your own or if maybe you'll come back another time on your own after you've had more experiences elsewhere. Is there a part of India that a woman or anybody should travel to first? If, if, you, if you have limited time and you're going to pick a, a place. Oh, <laughs> this is such, it's such a hard thing because it depends what you love. It's a huge. Okay. All right. No it's picking, so no favorites. It's so huge and yeah. it has... <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, it's cutting out a bit. All right. I'll just ask two more questions. The well, one of the last questions is: You were there two years, which is a little bit longer than the average vacation or trip 
most people take did you and you didn't have a plan to stay that long you didn't have a plan so what made why did you stay so so long was there like uh, did you have some like goal in mind or did you just com really completely stay open-ended i i would say my first six months was just pure bliss and joy and heartache <laughs> it was really just full travel experience and then i would say little by little i got because I, I started out very in the tourist, like the tourist scene. And then I had an experience that kind of threw me off of that, like literally threw me off of that. And I, I went kind of behind and, but eventually I learned, that's where I learned how to make jewelry. I became a silversmith in India. I have my teacher there. I also found, uh, a volunteer organization to help street animals in Rajasthan and yeah doing just kind of making jewelry meeting other artists um, listening to a lot of sitar music <laughs> and just kind of I, I started to I started to you know just make a life there I, I really of all the places in the world it's where I most feel um at home it's where i feel the most connected to to everyone and everything even though it's really difficult even after so much time Oy. so if you're visiting back where do you go in india if you're gonna go back where would you go which part would you revisit i guess oh where wouldn't i go <laughs> no <laughs> i i would most definitely go to udaipur this is where animal aid unlimited it's where they i work with the animals and i'm very much in love with all the workers there we have a tight connection so i definitely go back to udaipur in rajasthan i definitely go up into the mountains in the himalayas uh, Vati, Manali, these beautiful places. And then what I really want to do is I'm not so familiar with the South. So I would definitely go explore the South. Because I got stuck in the crazy North, you know, just the. Yeah, people. <laughs> Once it hooks you. It <laughs> people complained of so much in the comments. They were like, you've only been to the north. I was like, no, no, I've been to the south more, but I've only just taken videos in the north. That's why it seems like I've only been in the north. So, yeah. and I, last question, question, is there any final advice for a woman traveling to India that's different than, well, what you've already said, but that's different than traveling in Korea or Nepal, something that's specific to India? I think really just... My advice is know that it's possible that someone's going to cheat you and that's okay. <laughs> like, and that's really, it's a small price to pay for the experience. I would say don't, don't like allow it to be a time where 
you kind of soften the edges and you allow yourself to flow even if it's a scam you know even if you end up being like do I, you know oh how did that i think it's okay like let yourself have fun and and experience it you know and and always just be really mindful as a woman be you can smile and you can share your eyes and your looks and you can speak to anyone just you know listen to your instincts because you'll know you know you'll know when someone's following you so you just take the use your common sense and and don't doubt yourself you know know that what you're feeling is probably right and if you don't feel secure don't be shy to be i don't feel safe here i'm going to my room like it's okay there's nothing to prove there's nothing to that you have to feel like you need to defend yourself just go until you feel comfortable like you're you're in control and walk you know if you're in a crowd i always tell women when you're in a very crowded place walk like with your little chicken arms you know protect your chest and ah, if anyone comes to you and just if you do these like small things to make you feel safe then when you feel safe and when you're prepared go like then then you can let go and really just you know go with the flow go with the flow so for the people listening the je- the 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 mo- chicken arms is like elbows in and your fists kind of pointing to your neck yeah, and then you can just throw an elbow if you you have to yeah and i what- mean in the crowded places this has been so is is groping an issue i mean is that is that why you know i yeah sometimes depends where especially i would say uh, it's happened to me more in the north if i'm in a crowded place or it's more when there's big groups you know i definitely have there's been hands you know even in trains i've been sleeping and i'll feel like i felt one time i was sleeping i just feel my toe like somebody just holding my toe it was very bizarre very very bizarre but you know that's the moment when i feel that you know that's the moment that you get up and and you have to defend yourself and and be strong it's okay you can scream like a crazy woman if that's what you feel you need to do but otherwise know that it's possible that you'll be groped but don't let that um get in your way you know because anywhere you know i've been groped in in all in all different places in the world it's not special only to india so don't let that be the thing that stops you from having an amazing experience and what about selfies so we were talking about this last week that like nobody wants to take selfies with me i realized i remember i was at a place but if you're like a blonde woman that's like everybody wants a selfie with you and then it kind of goes down the list but foreign women a lot of guys want to take selfies with did you find that was an issue does that bother you does it happen a lot it happens all the time a lot of people want to take selfies with me because then later they go and they show their friends and this is my girlfriend or they'll say something dirty you know 
she let me do this and that to her. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but uh, I just, I, I mean, it happens all the time. I just, if I, if I feel like yes, I'll say yes. And if I say no, I'll, no. Like, oh, no, I won't do it. I'm getting you back slowly now. Well, I'll, I'll then wrap it up because the internet is, is chopping and I don't want to keep it too long anyway. Um, but it sounds like, I think, I think all that you've said, like for me, resonates a lot with me because I feel a lot of the same things about India. Like it's, it's really a learning experience. I mean, you, you just leave the place different and you have to like adjust to it. And then when you go back, you know, people ask me why you go back so much. I was like, because then you can in, play with it, you know, like I don't need to see the Taj Mahal or wherever, like you get that kind of stuff out of the way and then you can just enjoy all the side stuff, like all the random little things that happen, which is pretty much what every, what the best part of India is, I think. Oh, so. yeah, sure. For sure. Uh, when this pandemia and the world starts to open again, I'm going to start offering small bilingual tours i'm going to be focusing on women I, i'm going to be offering only to women and going to different places there's a lot of places in india where there's women who have been abused or women who've had acid thrown on them there's also women who are um, making beautiful textiles and my uh, silversmith teacher is the first woman silversmith who was publicly uh, teaching so i hope i'll be able to offer these things when you know the world opens up again you send me the links you send me yeah. the information and i'll i'll uh, i'll let everybody know so yeah definitely let me know and hopefully we're all traveling soon i hope yes yeah. ah, we will enjoy the so. world <laughs> yeah well, thank you again, Christina, so much for your time and talking about India and solo female travel in India. It's, it's uh, I think, informative for a lot of people and for me as well. And now I can give a good answer because people have been asking, you know, they ask me and I'm like, I, I really can't say really mm -hmm. firsthand, you know, I can only guess. And this is a much better answer. So thank you very much. I'm very happy to do it. And I hope many women will feel encouraged and motivated to go for it because it's a beautiful, amazing place. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Fox Nomad podcast. Thank you, Christina, for being my guest. If you're listening right now and you haven't yet given the Fox Nomad podcast five stars on Apple, Google, Stitcher, wherever you happen to be listening to this podcast, if you could go ahead and do that, you're really far into the episode right now. So I hope you enjoyed the episode and you've enjoyed it enough to leave five stars on one of those platforms. It really does help the podcast out. Thanks again very much for listening. I hope you have a great rest of your day and I'll talk to you in the next episode.